This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps professionals find fulfilling careers. Every Wednesday on Find Your Dream Job, I interview a career expert. We discuss the tools you need to find the work you want. This week, I'm talking to Chris Villanueva about how to deal with gaps in your resume. Everybody eventually has resume gaps, those periods when you were between jobs. Perhaps you took time off to raise children or care for a parent or other relative. Maybe you lost a job or took a sabbatical. Whatever the reason, you do need to explain those gaps on your resume. And this week's expert says you can do so effectively and persuasively. The key, he says, is to keep your explanations short and matter-of-fact. And don't let those gaps undermine your confidence. Most people worry more about this issue than they should. Want to learn more? Listen in now at the MaxList studio as I interview Chris Villanueva about how to deal with resume gaps. Chris Villanueva is the founder and CEO of Let's Eat Grandma. It's a professional writing service for resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn profiles. Chris is also a certified professional resume writer, and he's the host of the Career Warrior podcast. He joins us today from Austin, Texas. Chris, why do resume gaps matter so much to employers? Hi, Mac. Thanks for the lovely intro. So, resume gaps are a concern for a lot of job seekers. And that's because many times employers are shuffling through resumes. Sometimes they have a hundred plus resumes to look at. And a lot of them are looking for reasons to say no or throw the resume in the trash. So in my opinion, the resume gap is somewhat of a liability or it can be. So what we really try to do is... um, I wouldn't say hide that gap, um, disguise that gap, even though that's kind of what we're trying to do. But market yourself in a way that's positive and makes sense. And resume gaps uh, are normal, aren't they, Chris? I mean, we're all going to take time out to perhaps raise a family or uh, go to graduate school, or maybe we've lost a job through no fault of our own. Resume gaps are absolutely normal. And a lot of people will encounter some sort of gap, whether you've been a stay-at-home mom for the last 10 years to raise a family. I even had a client who um, she said she spent 18 years raising a family. And that's such a noble thing and really nothing to be ashamed of. So that's a really good call out. And I would say that there are a bunch of different reasons why someone might have a gap on their resume. So why, at least for some employers, is there a stigma associated with resume gaps? Hmm. That's a fantastic question. So I think the big thing about resume gaps is you don't know what they are when you're looking through a resume. So if you have a resume gap, it oftentimes leaves employers wondering what happened at that time. So I think the best thing you can do if 
your resume gap is going to be an issue is to call it out on a cover letter. So employers, you know, don't want to, you don't let their mind start to wonder and think that, that you were in jail or thinking that you were running around the street doing crazy things. Um, so I would tell people not to kind of let their imaginations run wild, but essentially to uh, kind of explain that gap in a really meaningful way. Okay. So the question is going to come up and mm-hmm. information abhors a vacuum. If you don't provide an explanation, the reader, and in this case, an employer will provide one and it could be unfavorable to you. Is that right, Chris? That's correct. And I, I also want to, cause I know you're probably going to have a lot of listeners who are really concerned about certain gaps they have, but I want to allay a lot of those worries that people are having that a lot of the times gaps are not that big of a deal. So for instance, if you have a gap in your history that was 10 years ago or more than 10 years ago, I think that's very manageable. Or if the gap is, I use this as an example, but less than five months, I don't think is that big of a deal. So if you do have those gaps, then that's when I, that's when I would kind of address the issue in some sort of way. And we'll, we can talk about those methods and things that I've done as a resume writer, but not everyone should really worry about these gaps. In fact, I think most of the people who are coming in are probably a little overworried, but let's, let's not worry. We'll, we'll discuss how to fix that. Okay. Well, let's, let's go into that. And it is encouraging to hear that uh, really the challenge, I, I think the point you're making is that gaps are normal. They, they happen, particularly as your career progresses. Yes. And what the employer cares about is an explanation. And if you don't provide an explanation, then there might be an issue, but the key is to provide um, uh, a reason why the gap exists. Is, is that right, Chris? Yes, I would say in most cases, that is the best thing you can do. Okay. And we'll kind of cover how you can explain that. And I think the cover letters your go to spot for that because it makes the most sense. But there are some instances, I think, where a lot of job seekers are overemphasizing gaps on accident. And that's exactly what we're trying to prevent here. So we can talk about resume tips, hacks, and things like that to, to go and fix that. Okay. Well, let's jump into that. And because there are a number of circumstances that we've already touched on, uh, say taking time out to care for a family or maybe a sabbatical or even a gap year at mid-career or um, unemployment. And why don't we start with unemployment? What Obviously, that's a situation nobody wants to experience. What sure. should listeners say on a resume and a cover letter as well, um, Chris, if, they, if they've lost a job? Mm, that's a fantastic question. I think one of the best things you can do when you're not employed is show that you're active doing something. So employers don't want to at least let their imaginations run wild and think that you were doing absolutely nothing or sitting on the couch or eating your favorite potato chips or whatever it may be. So I think in a lot of cases, it's best to show that you're active and bonus points if you can actually show that you're active doing things within your industry or within your field. So I had a client once who he actually got out of his position um, as a product manager. So he got laid off. And one thing he did was start his own consulting firm, which good for him. It's not that easy to start your own consulting firm successfully, but he was able to help a good amount of clients with helping them one-on-one with projects. Was he paid for it? Not that much, but that's not something that you have to tell people. It's not like you have to have this great, beautiful six-figure job and show 
you know, that kind of thing. But the fact that he was active, actually going out, providing value for other people in the world and helping them specifically um, with projects within his field, I think that made him look incredible in his resume. So that's not something, that's not only something that we called out in the cover letter, but that's also something we called out specifically in the resume in a short section. So remaining active, I think that's one of the best things you can do. So setting up a consulting practice is one option. What about Mm -hmm. volunteer work, Chris? What's been your experience with your clients who perhaps don't want to start a consulting practice or maybe just uh, aren't in a field that allow that? Is there value in taking on some uh, a volunteer assignment and can you talk and talk about that on a, a cover in a cover letter rather or resume so i'm very pro volunteer work and showing that on the resume especially when you have nothing else i think that's completely okay it becomes a little tricky mac on how to actually convey that in a resume so you go into questions like you know, where do I put this in the resume or how do I order it? So I think that's where the art of resume writing comes in. But I do think it is really good to show volunteer work if that's the one thing you have going for you. And I think that's a very credible uh, experience to have on your resume. That mom I was telling you about who had an 18 year resume gap Um, It was actually an accounting position. She spent a lot of her time not only raising kids, but volunteering for, I think it was a a rodeo program or something really impressive. And she ended up moving out in a leadership role as well. So that was one of the things I actually called out in the cover letter and made her look really good. So volunteer experience, absolutely. I say go for it. So I can imagine listeners thinking right now, okay, Chris, how did she describe that? and in a way that was of interest to employers in a cover letter where she might've had just three or four sentences mm-hmm. to uh, talk about that position, that volunteer position and, and the benefits uh, uh, of it professionally. Can you recall what she said? That's a good question. I have to go back in my memory palace. I wrote this letter <laughs> <laughs> like a year ago. I know. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it, it, so, it, yeah. uh, perhaps if you can't recall that one, uh, just practical tips that listeners might yeah. follow in, in, talking about volunteer experience in a way that's going to be appealing to employers. Well, I believe one of what I did in the letter was I opened up the letter, of course, with a um, statement of intent, letting her know why she felt like she was a good fit for the position. And then I backed up that statement of intent with three bullet points. I'm actually a big fan of including bullet points in the cover letter because I try to keep it short and uh, impactful. And one of those bullet points I included her volunteer experience. And Mac, you asked about, you know, essentially how to make that relevant for the position she was applying for. And the biggest recommendation I can make for that is to be as transferable as possible. So showcase whatever transferable skill you developed within your volunteer experience. Um, showcase that transferable skill and how that might be relevant for the position she was, that uh, you're applying for. So in this case, the transferable skill was dealing with other people and leadership. So we were able to kind of tell a story through that cover letter and get specific with her rodeo experience. Okay. Other tips for parents who are returning to the workplace after uh, a period away? Uh, because this is one I, I hear a lot from readers at Max List is a question that comes up a lot. Um, any general principles you recommend parents uh, follow uh, when talking about the, uh, either the benefits of experiences they might have had 
doing volunteer work while raising a family or uh, Mm -hmm. tips about how to talk about that experience in a way that's going to be attractive to employers? Sure. It's going to try not to sound woo woo here, but I mean it. Um, Don't, your attitude is incredibly important about your gap, like a hundred percent. So you're not apologetic, but this was a instance in your life that was incredibly impactful, significant, meaningful. And you're not apologetic, but you're short, sweet, and to the point in your cover letter specifically. So I think a lot of us get very, I wouldn't say down on ourselves, but we're we're seeing this, this resume gap or we're seeing us being a full-time mom for five to 10 years as this big detractor or liability. And it definitely can be if you bring this attitude of being apologetic or really sorry for that gap. So I think it's really important to first of all, realize that what you did was a very noble pursuit. It was this really important, possibly the most important part of your life and to realize how important that was. So I highly recommend, I don't think the cover letter is that difficult of a task to not be apologetic and just keep it short. But I think where a lot of people get tripped up is the interview and they go on and they ramble and ramble about you know why this was. So I recommend practicing in the practicing your interview answer um, and keeping that short speed to the point as well. Okay. Well, terrific. Well, I want to take a break, Chris, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk about how people can deal with gaps on their resume. Uh, Please bear with us. Please stay with us. You just wanted a job online. It looks perfect for you. And before you hit the send button on your application, you'll want to make sure your resume is perfect too. Imagine if you could ask an employer to review your resume before you applied for your dream job. Think how much you would get from that conversation and the advantage it would give you over the other applicants. You'd probably ask about the most common errors employers see applicants make. You could learn what the manager cares about when reading any resume And you'd find out why most resumes go into the no interview pile. Wouldn't you like to know the answers to those questions? I've got a free guide that can help. It's called Don't Make These Eight Killer Resume Mistakes. And you can get it today. Go to maxlist.org slash resume mistakes. We've had more than 3,000 employers post jobs on the MaxList website. So I talk to hiring managers all the time. And employers tell me they keep seeing applicants make the same resume mistakes again and again and again. Top errors include generic objective statements, listing responsibilities, not results, and the worst sin of all, typos. Avoid these rookie errors. Get your own copy today of Don't Make These Eight Killer Resume Mistakes. Go to maxlist.org slash resume mistakes. Find out today what matters to managers who read resumes. Go to maxlist.org slash resume mistakes. Now, let's get back to the show. We're back in the MaxList studio. I'm talking with Chris Villanueva. He's the founder and CEO of Let's Eat Grandma. It's a professional writing service for resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn profiles. And Chris joins us today from Austin, Texas. Well, Chris, uh, before the break, we were talking about how to 
talk about uh, or deal with resume gaps, uh, both for parents and if, uh, uh, and I, I want to run through some other examples I know that are likely on the minds of our our listeners. Any special tips about gap years or sabbaticals, uh, ways that people should describe uh, those circumstances? That's a good question. It's it's a good call out, Mac, because you're calling out uh, different situations that somebody might have a gap in the resume. And I think the same principle applies no matter what what you're trying to do is make it relevant and not be apologetic about it. So with gap years and sabbaticals, I think each individual person has their own reason for taking a gap year, whether it's to become a more well-rounded person or to explore or to learn a different language. So what I might do is pull in some of those other reasons why you are taking the gap year sabbatical and pull it into your cover letter or resume, especially if it's very recent. So I had a client once who uh, she ended up traveling the world, I'd say after she graduated college before her first position. So within that, we brought how she became a more well-rounded person and was able to see a bunch of different perspectives. This was particularly useful because a lot of the clients that the company she was applying for were from different countries. So that's one way to make it relevant. And I'm just kind of spitballing here and um, being creative based off of her specific situation. But you really need to look at the company, uh, what the company needs are specifically and how you're able to tie that in. And that's really the best way you can tie in a sabbatical or or a a, um, traveling the world situation. Now, sometimes a job isn't a good fit. Uh, And I'm curious about your experience with your clients who might have taken a position after a month or two, it just wasn't working and the client and the employer parted ways. Um, Should people mention uh, a job like that on on a resume or discuss it in a cover letter? That's a tough one, Mac. I had a a client who took a sales job for a month and a half. And uh, the big question he had for me as soon as he started working with me is, should I leave this on here? So we looked closely at a situation and Eventually, we decided to go without it. And that's because in his case, he was in the previous position just a month prior. So his gap, quote unquote, was two months, which I don't think was that big of a deal. So what to do if that's not the case and if if it's a position? I still might lean more towards leaving it off because a lot of times recruiters or hiring decision makers might just start to ask like I said, you know, their imaginations might run wild. They might say things like, was this a disaster employee and things like that. But once again, I might lean more towards removing that position off the resume. But if you end up deciding that you do want to keep it on, once again, I would explain why the position didn't work out specifically um, because a lot of what you're going to say is probably a lot better than the imagination um, of the recruiter. And what should a listener say if a recruiter looks at a resume and says, oh, I, I see you were you left this company in April and um, it's now September. Well, well, gosh, what have you been doing for the last five months? And, and you had actually had a job and where you were at, say, for six or 12 weeks and it didn't work out and you left. That's a good question. Again, if you... If you're going to go for the whole remove the company from your resume because it wasn't a relevant part 
I would commit to that. And I'm going back to the first question you asked about what were you doing actively that is relevant for the position. The only catch here is you wouldn't be able to say I was in that position for a month. So I might lean towards something else. Another thing, if you are going to go that route, and this is just knowing from experience, make sure your LinkedIn is consistent with your resume, like a hundred percent, because a lot of times you say in that case, you decided to remove that one month position. And with your LinkedIn, you decided to leave it in there. That's where you're going to run into a lot of trouble because a lot of the times recruiters are bouncing from your resume to your LinkedIn profile. And when they see that inconsistency or that incongruence, they're going to have a lot of trouble. Speaking of LinkedIn, I had a message from a LinkedIn connection today who was laid off uh, two months ago. Mm-hmm. And her, her question was this. She said she'd been advised to uh, leave the employer on her LinkedIn account. And uh, mm. yeah, in, until she found her next position. But she was beginning to feel yeah. awkward because it had been two and it was she was starting her third month. What, sure. do, you, what do you advise uh, listeners to do, uh, Chris, uh, about their uh, if they've been laid off from a company, should they update their LinkedIn account and their resume to reflect that they no longer work there? That's a fantastic question. I get that a lot as a resume service. I lean more on the side of taking it off. And that's specifically because people can verify these things very easily and the company can see, and especially with something as LinkedIn as it's so public, I just think that information gets around and the world's a lot smaller than um, you would think it is. So in that case, I might recommend two months is a long time. So I would say removing that position. So the resume, it's a little bit different because you know, you can include it and no one's going to see it. But once again, going back to the fact that it's a small world and and people can find out. And I've even been called as a owner of a small boutique resume service. I've been called from my writers or people or companies that my writers are applying for to verify that they worked at Let's Eat Grandma, me. So don't think that it's not happening. And I would definitely say that honesty is your best policy. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about both layoffs and dismissals. What's your advice, Chris, uh, when somebody has been laid off or, or um, even fired from a job? And uh, how should they, should they mention those circumstances at all in a resume? Mm, that's a great question. I think, it, I think that works on a case-by-case basis. I don't always recommend calling out a layoff if you don't need to, uh, just because it's in a lot of cases, it's something that you don't necessarily need to write about or draw out. Uh, I had one specific client who on each one of her sections in her resume would talk about why she was laid off or, you know, why one thing happened. And I think the bad part about that is it painted this picture or the story that she wasn't a client worth hiring. So when we removed all those callouts, it looked like a perfectly fine resume, to be honest. So um, if you don't have to, if you don't have to do it, then I, I really don't recommend it. Okay. You mentioned years of employment earlier. I, I want to ask you a little more about that. What do you recommend to your clients uh, about the use of dates, uh, particularly those who might be further along in their career? 
10, 15, even 20 years into uh, time in the workplace, should they use months or uh, and years or are years alone enough? And obviously, if you do that, and uh, there might be gaps 15, 20 years in the past mm-hmm. that uh, aren't going to surface. What What's your recommendation there to your clients? Once again, I, I wouldn't worry about those gaps that are so far in the past. And that's just because I don't think recruiters are looking that far back, especially if you have a two-page resume. Because if you have a two-page resume, they're going to spend about 90% of the time on that first page anyway. So I think that's fine. In terms of dates on month versus to leave the month out, um, I'm finding it's completely okay to leave the month out. And I'll do... I'll leave months out if I am trying to cover up a gap or, or something like that. But I, I just don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal when you do remove those months. I don't. So, okay. Uh, is is that into your question, Mac? It does. And uh, I know in preparing for this interview, I looked at a lot of your blog articles about resume writing and you're a big believer, Chris, in, encouraging your clients to think of resumes as a marketing piece. Can, can you tell us more about that and how that fits into today's topic? Yes, that's a fantastic question. So your resume, 100%, this is my full belief, is a marketing piece. Unless it's a federal resume and you're applying for a government job and they try to tell you to keep every single thing in there. But when it comes down to it in corporate America, typically your resume is a document where you want to highlight your strengths as much as possible and you want to downplay those weaknesses. And the main reason behind that, Mac, is most of these employers and hiring decision makers are spending seconds. And I mean seconds on your resume. A lot of the times your resume is not even getting looked at because applicant tracking systems are filtering out your resume and bringing only the relevant relevant search results to the top. So anyone who doesn't believe that your resume is a marketing piece needs to look at the statistics and see how hard it is to get your resume noticed. Like It is very hard. So When I say emphasize your strengths, you need to look really closely at those things that would make you hireable by the specific company you're applying for. And tying in the topic of resume gaps, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, the resume gap can be a weakness just depending on the way it's framed. So it's what we're not trying to do, Mac, is be dishonest. In fact, I think that's that might be a misconception of having a specific episode like this. But when it comes down to it, you just got to make sure that you look as hireable as possible. And as the employer finds out more about you during the interview stages, let them know more. Like Let them know specifically why you had that gap or things like that. But in terms of getting noticed, it's all about that marketing. Oh, terrific. Well, Chris, tell us what's next for you. Yeah, great question. So I am working hard here in Austin, Texas, and I am running this resume company. So we just hired a brand new, amazing resume writer. So we are just looking to change lives here by essentially writing really good pieces here. Uh, We actually just partnered with a developer or data scientist here in Austin to write better resumes using applicant tracking systems. So that's kind of the next exciting thing for me. And that's, that's what I'm doing today. Well, terrific. Well, I know listeners can learn more about you and your company and your podcast and other services by visiting letseatgrandma.com. 
Well, Chris, given all the useful tips you've shared today, what's the one thing you want listeners to remember when thinking about how to deal with resume gaps? So I would encourage people to, just because I know the types of people who would click on an episode that asks about resume gaps, because a lot of you guys are very concerned, just relax. Like it's completely okay to have a resume gap. 100%. Everyone has reasons. In fact, most people probably will have a resume gap sometime in their career. So relax. If you're having a lot of trouble with that one thing that's holding you back in your resume, just think about how you're going to reframe it on your resume. And if that doesn't work, fine. You know, switch up your strategy a little bit, but eventually you will find success if you just keep persisting. Terrific advice, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Mac. Thanks for having me on. Resume gaps happen. We're all going to have them during the course of a long career. Often when we think about resume gaps, we think about a job loss. But as you heard from Chris, people take sabbaticals, they raise families, uh, they uh, take other time away from work. Whatever the reason, the most important thing to keep in mind is that employers are looking for that explanation. And when you offer that explanation in your cover letter and your resume, you take the issue off the table. So when you're getting ready to update your resume, if you've got a gap, think about why that happened and uh, how you can share that story. And most importantly, the benefits that you might've gotten from that experience, particularly if you worked as a volunteer and make sure the employer knows that. Well, if you're, as you think about your resume, I hope you'll also check out our new guide. Don't make these eight killer resume mistakes. It's based on hundreds of conversations I've had with employers over the years about the errors they see uh, applicants make in their resumes. And I share the most common errors that sink most resumes. Don't make them yourself. Get your free copy today. Go to maxlist.org slash resume mistakes. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Find Your Dream Job. And join us next Wednesday. Our guest will be Erin Thomas. She'll explain how to find your career purpose And until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.